0: today for his presence that is in this place we've already felt the presence of god moving throughout this place from the very first song that is sung we felt god's spirit begin to step in and have his way because when you lift jesus up things begin to change when you begin to give him glory the bible says i if i be lifted up i will draw all men unto me so when you praise him with your voice when you lift your hands and give glory to god you're lifting him up and something begins to change when you begin to lift jesus christ your problems become smaller as you lift him up and magnify the psalmist said oh magnify the lord with me let us exalt his name together why don't we just do that for a moment let's magnify the lord i bless you jesus I praise you, Jesus. You are exalted. There is no rival beside you. There is no one that can compare. I bless the name of Jesus. I give unto you glory that is due to your name. Glory to the Lord. Let's give him a hand clap of praise, for he is worthy. Hallelujah. you, Jesus. Lord, you are exalted. You're worthy of our praise today. Hallelujah. Amen. There is nothing like the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to turn to the book of John, chapter number four. Hallelujah. And I just want to say that I appreciate the freedom of worship that is here today. There's something about being free to worship. It's not like this everywhere you go. There are places when you would speak out the name of Jesus and you would give worship to God and that would not be welcome. But I'm thankful today to be in a place where there's others of like-minded faith that knows what it's like to call upon the name of the Lord and feel God's presence. So again, we're going to be reading from John chapter number 4, verses one to. 7 and this is from the gospel according to John and it's his testimony and it was written so we would know who Jesus was to John so John chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 and then we're going to drop on down to verse 27 and then finishing up with verse 39 through 42 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea. Someone say Judea. Alright. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So he's going from Judea up to Galilee. But he has to go through some place in the middle. And verse number 4 says, And he must... Needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. Then verse 5 says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Someone say the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now dropping down to verse number 27. John chapter 4 verse 27. And it says, And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men everyone say to the men come and see a man which told me all the things that ever I did is not this the Christ then they went out of the city and came unto him now dropping down to verse number 39 it says that many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified He told me all that ever I did. Everyone say, a testimony. So verse 40 says, So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, we have heard him ourselves and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. With the help of the Lord today, I want to minister on the subject, the anatomy of a testimony. The anatomy of a testimony. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I have a testimony? Lord Jesus, we pray today that your spirit would minister. Your word is already anointed. And as we bring forth this word today and your anointing comes upon us, I pray that you would. Let it be multiplied to the needs that are in this place, for your spirit is already here working, and we pray that your word would go forth, and it would find follow ground, and it would be planted there as a seed, and grow up and bring forth fruit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The word testified in verse 39, it comes from the Greek word martyro which means to bear witness and to have a good report, and to affirm that one has seen or experienced something. So there may come a time in your life when you're called upon to give a testimony. And in the civilian world that is out there, the civil world has a thing called a place of court. And whenever you are called to give an account of what you have seen or heard. It is called giving a testimony. If you're called to be a witness in a case, then you have something to speak about what you have seen or what you may have heard. And today we're going to look at the key parts of this testimony example in the New Testament book of John. And we find here the very first thing that we're going to talk about with the testimony every testimony has a background every testimony has a story behind what you see on the surface and so we're going to call that the truth the truth of the situation here in john chapter 4 we find that the jews wanted nothing to do with the samaritans and at the time of Jesus' ministry the samaritans and the jews had be- become enemies for centuries but the most intense rivalry began around 200 B.C. And the source of the conflict was a dispute over the correct location for the center of worship. They were arguing over where they were supposed to worship. It still happens today. The Samaritans had built a shrine out at Mount Gerizim. And they claimed that it was a proper place of worship. And the Jews claimed that Jerusalem temple was the center of worship and in fact the samaritan shrine was destroyed by the jewish troops in 128 bc so the division between the samaritans and the jews that continued and became stronger and stronger and they were viewed by the jews to be heretics because you see what happened was the assyrians had come in and brought captivity to the israelites and the jews Despised the descendants of the Assyrians and that's exactly what the the Samaritans were they were half-breeds between the Samaritans Excuse me between the Jews and the Assyrians and because of this intense conflict in the past the Jews avoided the Samaritans even to that day But even though 160 years had passed from the time that the temple had been torn down and destroyed the conflict was still bitter in the time of Jesus Most Jews, they went around Samaria. Instead of going the straight line distance from Galilee up to Judea, they went around Samaria. They chose to go the long way around to avoid the people that they didn't want to interact with. Does that sound familiar? There's a lot of people in our world today that isolate themselves from people that they don't want to interact with. And the people of the day, they had no real axe to grind themselves. It was something that had happened in the past, in the distant past. And at the outset of our story, Jesus and his disciples, they're headed from Galilee to Judea. Excuse me, from Judea to Galilee. And our passage says that he had to go through Samaria. And the ancient historian Josephus notes that the route through Samaria was the most efficient one, it was the straight line distance to get from point A to point B. But everybody else was going around Samaria. And many Jews would have steered clear of Samaria, even if it meant taking longer to get from one place to the next. And while it's true that a number of scholars and commentators see traveling through Samaria as geographically necessary, it is interesting to note that the word translated Has to, he had to go through Samaria, has usually associated with John's gospel as a need in himself. He had to go through Samaria because of something that was inside of himself that was compelling him to go. It was a need from within. He must needs go through Samaria. There's times in your life living for God that God will place an impression upon you that goes contrary to what everyone else is doing. That goes different from the norm of everyone else in your world around you because God has placed something inside of you that wants to reach out to the one that is isolated, to the one that is hurting, the one that is shunned from everyone else around you. And we're serving a God today that has no limits to His love. The God that we serve is not a God that is limited. We serve him today. He is a God that crosses borders and breaks barriers. I'll say that again. He is a God that has no borders. There is nothing that is a barrier that will stand in the way of God's spirit moving. One commentator puts it well. says, Jesus' itinerary may have been governed by geography, but his stay in Samaria was governed by theology. Everybody else would have gone around Samaria, but Jesus went through Samaria because of what was inside of him. He must needs go through Samaria. Why did he have a need to go through Samaria? Because God is all-knowing, and he saw who was going to be at the well at the middle of the day. Because the sixth hour of the day, you see, when we read in the text, the sixth hour, the, the clock began to start zero hour was sunrise in six hours after sunrise six o'clock in the morning was when the sun was rising according to the time that they were calculating time and six plus six is twelve it was right around noon time that jesus was there at the well it was not a cool quiet time of day it was hot there was perspiration on his brow but yet Jesus chose to be in Samaria at that hot time of day because he knew he Ahead of time who is going to be there I'm just here to tell you today that there are times in your life when the heat of trials are heated up upon you and you find that you're struggling just to get through today but I'm here to tell you that Jesus has saw you in the time of your need he knew in advance where you were gonna be at and he went ahead and he's already there he's there in the midst of your fiery trial and he's there to meet you in your time of need We serve a God that knows exactly what you're facing, where you're going to be, and He's already gone ahead of you. He's there for you today. And so they were crossing into Samaria, but they were also crossing religious barriers. This is all part of the background of this testimony. Jesus was not afraid to cross borders of social propriety. He was not deterred by differences. He was not set apart. He was not discouraged by someone else who felt rejected by society. I'm here to tell you that somebody here may feel rejected by society, but I'm telling you that God reaches for everyone equally. God reaches to the outcast. He reaches to everyone. It doesn't matter. The Bible shows us in Romans chapter number 2, verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with God. There is no ethnicity excluded from the kingdom of God. God does not choose you based upon your background. God chose you because He loves all mankind. For God so loved the world that He gave Himself. He gave His only begotten Son that who should whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life he loved the world he loved all mankind there is not an ethnicity here today excluded from the love of God God's love is reaching out to you today color of skin does not matter to God the problems between races in America would be solved if America loved like Jesus loved if we love like Jesus loved without any respect to persons we and that's the call of God and I'm glad to be in a church where we love like Jesus loved where we open our arms and say come together, let's worship together you're my brother, you're my sister we're part of the body of Christ when we love like Jesus loved we don't exclude anyone we don't turn someone else away Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one in him today. There is no background that excludes you from God's love. But this is the truth of the woman who came to Jesus at the well. So following the background, the second part of the testimony builds on that background. It's the pressing reason why you need Jesus to intervene in your life. You see, the woman that came to Jesus, yes, she had a background. She had a truth in her life that she didn't want a lot of people to know. But she also, she had a test that she was facing. So every testimony has a truth, and it also reveals a test that is in your life. Some of you are, some of you are here today facing tests in your life. And I'm here to tell you that for every victory, there's a battle. For every mountaintop experience, there's a valley that you have to go through. For every testimony, there must first come a test. And from the, for the woman of Samaria, her test was rejection. Look at the timing. We can tell by the time of the day that the woman comes to the well. It's the sixth hour, which is the the six, excuse me. It's the sixth hour, which is after sunrise. Excuse me, after the sun rises, you count off six hours, and then you have noon time, which is at the sixth hour. So our noon today would be called by the Jews as the sixth hour, and so there she is at the well at the sixth hour. And she came there when she thought that she would not be meeting up with anybody. She thought she would be alone. She was too ashamed to come to the well at the busy time. She was used to being rejected. And so she didn't want to face it yet again. She didn't want to talk to other people, talk to other women. Because in that day, the women were the ones that came to the well to bring back water. They were the ones that were carrying the water back to the family. And the traditional way, the view of the woman of Samaria is not necessarily the correct view. What you may have heard before is the traditional view was that perhaps she was a woman of loose morals. She was a woman who had been unfaithful to five husbands. You may have heard that said. She wasn't even married to the man that she was living with. And the traditional view was it was because of her lack of commitment. People who look on the surface often get The wrong wrong picture. I'll just say that to you today. Be careful to not judge someone based upon what others may say of them. Because there's always a story. There's always a truth behind the test that has been faced. When you look deeper, you see a much different story. The true view about this woman of Samaria was the Samaritans lived in a constant state of shame. The Jews viewed the Samaritans as unclean people, as outcasts. And we often see this story about a woman who had five husbands described as meaning that she was immoral or unfaithful. However, there's no apparent records of a woman in Jesus' day being able to initiate a divorce. It was the man that initiated divorce, and she was one who had been rejected time after time. You see, women in that day, they they had limited rights. They had limited ability to exercise even... Even things as simple as owning property, they couldn't own property. And her current living arrangement was probably not about casual relationships. And in the first century, women had very little in the way of their own rights. Women were viewed as the property of their husbands. And women didn't talk to men in public. In that day, men divorced women. It wasn't the woman who divorced the men. The women had no rights during that time period. It's an awful time period, but Jesus meets this woman at the well. The disciples are even floored in verse number 27. It says, and upon this came his disciples and marvel that he talked with the woman. The disciples were surprised that Jesus was talking with this woman at the well. You see, I'm here to tell you that rejection still happens today. Family may have rejected you. Your brother betrayed your trust, perhaps. Maybe your sister has spoken hurtful words to you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're facing feelings of rejection like this woman faced. That was her test. Every one of us have a test. Maybe your test is rejection. Friends will often often disappoint us as well. You confide in a close friend and your secrets are exposed. You feel betrayed. Relationships also bring rejection to some people. Have brought ruin to your life, perhaps. Love and commitment is replaced by lust and convenience. You may have invested yourself in your time and all that you have had. You placed into that relationship, but comes to rejection in the end. There's many places that we find rejection in our world today. It's not just friends or family. Sometimes it's in the workplace. The job you hope for is taken by someone you thought was loyal to you. But you're here today settling for less than your ability because of rejection. I'm here to tell you that God is here to meet you in the midst of rejection. In the midst of your test, your test may not be rejection, but this woman at the well of Samaria, her test was rejection. That's what she had to overcome. And many times today, we look at just the surface and we don't see what's going on down below, everything that's being faced by this woman at Samaria. She had been rejected no less than five times and the one that she was currently with didn't have the courage enough to make a commitment to marry her. She was facing rejection and living in a life where she wasn't even able to raise her head in the light of day when anybody would be around to see her. So she comes to the well at a time when no one else would be there, so she thought. I'm here to tell you that there are some times in your life when you face desperation, when you try to go to the place where no one else will be. But I'm here to tell you, when you think you're going to the place of solitude, you will find somebody who has already gone ahead of you. When you're at that lonely place, when everybody else has rejected you, and turned you aside, and disappointed you, I'm telling you about a God that will never disappoint you. He will meet you there at the point of your greatest need. And He will... Be the one that is able to answer your greatest problem. Because you see, rejection is not God's answer. She came looking for water, but finds Jesus instead. There's all kinds of reasons why you may come to church today. You may have come to church to escape from reality of what's going on back home. You may have come to church for various reasons. She came to the well looking for water, but she finds something she finds Jesus there you may be looking for peace a release of guilt maybe Jesus is here today to help you in the midst of your test that you don't even realize that you're facing Jesus gave life instead Jesus is here today to meet you in the place of your need And what did Jesus do Jesus read her mail Jesus knew exactly what she was facing Jesus reverses the rejection he does not push her away Jesus still today comes for the castaways over and over. He reaches for the unexpected. You look in the Bible, we find examples where Jesus reached out to one who is a hot-headed fisherman called Peter. Jesus reached out to the one on the cross, the thief on the cross. He said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. He reached out to the prostitute, the adulterer, the tax collector, the everyday person. Jesus reached out to the castaway. He reaches out today as well. He's still reaching. Now we all struggle with things in our lives. We all struggle with temptations. We struggle with natural desire towards sin. That's the innate nature within us. Some of us here today have gone through struggles that we're not proud of. Some of us here have faced relationship challenges, faced divorce. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're married. Maybe you're estranged. I don't know your exact situation today, but I do know of a God that is here today to meet you in the middle of your test. God is here to meet you in the middle of the struggle of your life. What is your test today? What is your mountain? Is your mountain or your test, maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's addiction to alcohol or cigarettes. Maybe prescription drugs are a trouble for you. Sexual sins, perhaps, pornography. Maybe there's some struggle with gambling. I'm talking about things that are faced in our society today, tests that people struggle with. But we serve a God that is a relevant God, God is able to step into your situation and relate to you. He is not a God that is so far removed from you that he won't step into where you're at. Jesus didn't speak to her with a voice from heaven, so to speak. He came down to her where she was at. He sat on the well beside her. He knew that she had needs, and she came. he went to the place where she was going to get that need fulfilled. He sat on the well. And so there's needs that you face in your life. We all have a need for companionship. We have a need for friendship. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I'm here to tell you that he's here to meet you at your point of need. He's here to help you. He's here to strengthen you today. In the middle of your test, you can find the Savior to give you a testimony. And so what does Jesus do? He meets her there in the midst of her struggle. And he meets her there and he talks to her. And he says in verse number 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And so the woman says unto her, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. But Jesus saith to her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. But Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou thou now hast is not thy husband, In that thou saidest truly. The woman said unto her, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And so we see here that she recognizes exactly who Jesus is after he reaches out to her in her place of her truth and her background. He reaches beyond her test, beyond her rejection, and he shows her the love of Christ. I'm here to tell you today that God is showing you the love that he has for all mankind. He's here today showing you that same love. And so what does she do in in, in return? Verse number 28 says, the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, notice that she, the woman, talks to the men. She transcends the barriers of the day. She does what she's not supposed to do. She goes against custom because she met with Jesus. And she tells all the men of the city, she even, even though it was something she wasn't supposed to do, she told all the men of the Samaria, come see a man which told me all things ever that I did is not this the Christ. You see, in this day that we're living in, jesus christ is still reaching down to people he's still touching people's lives so are you willing to go against the societal norms and when you're willing to do that answers will come young people god is calling you to stand up for him at your school god's calling you to maybe reach out and start a p7 group at your school he's calling upon you to stand up and go against what everybody else is doing he's calling you to stand up for him so what did the woman of Samaria do? She tells it loud and she tells it proud. Could this be the Messiah? Come see a man who told me all the things that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? So I'm here to tell you about a man named Jesus who knows all, he knows all of my faults. He knows all of my failures. But yet he still reaches out to me. And he still loves me. He's reaching out to you today. And so in the midst of her test, Jesus comes and he brings something to her in the midst of that test. And so the next part of this story is the triumph that we find that she experienced when Jesus Christ tells her the answer to the problems of her past is turning to Jesus Christ and finding life everlasting in him. And when you have problems in your life, you can turn to Jesus and you can triumph over the truth of your past because Jesus is here today to help you. As I come to a close, I want to remind you that it wasn't just in that day that Jesus was helping people triumph over the truth of their past. It's happening today. People are coming to him, and they are overcoming the truth of the struggles that they faced in their past. Regardless of your truth, the depth of your test, Jesus has triumphed waiting for you today. And so this woman of Samaria, she goes on to the next thing after she triumphs. Through the power of Jesus Christ over what she has faced in her life, she goes on and the next part of the anatomy of a testimony is the telling. So there was truth. There was a test that she faced. There was a triumph where she overcame it, and now she's going to tell the world about it. The Bible shows us in John chapter number four, verse 28, the woman left her water pot. The reason why she came there in the first place, she left it behind. She forgot about what she came there for in the first place. And she left it at the well. And she went and told the people in her city what Jesus Christ had done for her. So I'm here to tell you today, You may have come with needs. You may have come with struggles that you're facing. But when you get in the contact with Jesus, He has the ability to overcome those shadows of doubt. He has the ability to help you overcome the problems that you faced in your past. And you'll leave the evidence of that need at the altar. When you come come and encounter with Jesus Christ, you'll leave behind the evidence of need. She had a water pot it, but it was left there at the well. It was left at the presence of Jesus. So are you willing today to go outside of your comfort zone to bridge the gap? When you're meeting with Jesus, you have to share Jesus with the world. Jesus can move people when we share stories of what he's done. God has called us to make disciples. And if we're, if we aren't willing to tell others, we're not fulfilling the great commission. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations where to go, teach, baptize. And so what's the result? The result of this testimony is the whole city was turning out to see what Jesus Christ was doing. The turnout is the result of you testifying. You will have a turnout. You will have a result when you talk about what Jesus Christ has done for you. Verse 39 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. They believed at first because of her testimony. And that belief turned into walking with Jesus. And he asked them, excuse me, they asked him to stay for two days. They said, Why don't you stay with us for two days? And sure enough, Jesus stayed with them. And what started as her testimony being the reason why they believed, they believed later because they had seen, they had heard, they had witnessed themselves. So someone may tell you about Jesus and you believe what they said and you come to church perhaps because what a friend told you. But when you get here, you'll find Jesus for yourself. I'm talking about a God who is invested in me. He loves me. It wasn't just A God that loved my Father who told me about Jesus Christ. It wasn't just about somebody else telling me about Jesus, but I have experienced Him for myself. I've experienced the love of Christ. I've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I've experienced what it feels like to know that my sins are forgiven. And so as I close today, I'd like for us all to stand. In May of 2001, a man by the name of Eric Weyenmaier accomplished something that only about 150 people each year accomplish. And that was reaching the top of Mount Everest. And the thing that made Eric's achievement unusual is the fact that he was the first blind person to succeed in scaling the tallest mountain in the world. Eric was born with a disease called and by the time he was 13 he was completely blind and rather than focus on what he could not do he made the choice to focus on what he could do and then he went much further than he ever thought that he could go you may be here today feeling like you have limitations feeling like you have fallen short like you don't measure up. But I'm here to tell you that you can go further than you ever thought that you could go if you'll just step out. Make that first step. You may feel like there's inhibition around you, like you're inhibited to step forward. But God is here today and He'll meet you. In just a moment, we're going to open this altar and we're going to ask you to come. And when you come, I'd like for you just to put aside any feelings of insufficiency, any feelings like you don't measure up, because we just talked about a God that met a woman at the well who had been rejected so many times, but he walked her through, past her rejection, and showed her that he loved her. And she was able to turn that rejection and see a whole city be reached because what Jesus Christ did for her. The power of a testimony the anatomy of a testimony everyone here today has a background you all have a truth to tell you all have a test that you face but i'm here to tell you that you can face your test and you can triumph over it and then when you tell others about what jesus christ has done there will be a turnout there will be a result people will come and see what jesus christ has done and then they will experience it for themselves and so today you may be here You may be hurting you may be struggling but we serve a god that loves we serve a god that cares and so now this altar is open i ask you to come could you come and let's spend some time in prayer with jesus and call upon him and allow him to develop your test into a testimony allow him to turn that truth into triumph allow him to turn it around today let's call upon jesus jesus i turn to you today